Hello and welcome to the podcast with Dawn's House because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Aoife. And today we're talking about Babysitter's Club number nine, The Ghost at Dawn's House, which as you've probably worked out is where the podcast gets its name from. Yeah, I've been waiting for this for so long, guys. <laughs> eight whole episodes. Eight whole episodes. Actually, eight whole, you know what? Eight is a nice round number in Discworld. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's it's appropriate right now that we share with the world the origins of, of this, this podcast. Mm. <laughs> the origin came... of this podcast is, I swear to God, it came to me in a dream. I dreamed me and Karen made a podcast about the Babysitter's Club and it was really fun. And I woke up and very sleepily texted her about this. Um, And I got the impression she had sort of laughed nervously and then no more was said about it. And then there was a lockdown and no one had anything to do. So we decided to just do my crazy dream idea. And here we are. (laughs) I'm an interloper. I wasn't part of the dream, but Esther mentioned this to me or Karen. One of them mentioned it to me and I Mm -hmm. thought it sounded like the best idea in the world. Yes. (laughs) I don't think I was nervously laughing, but we do come up with a lot of schemes and there isn't really much expectation that they will um, be followed through on. So like, fair play to you for like poking us until we did the thing. <laughs> Esther is the boss of this podcast. Esther is the Christie. Yep. I mean, we have well established this. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's true. We have come up with about 800 harebrained schemes and followed through on <laughs> very few of them. So you could be forgiven for not expecting this one to play out, but. It's 2020. Here we are. Yeah. I, I never follow through on anything. I'm really surprised that I'm here right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would put this on my CV if <laughs> I was going for a job. It's like, no, I, I, I completed something once. <laughs> I mean, this is our ninth time completing it. I'm, I'm frankly very impressed and surprised at us. Yeah. A friend yeah. of ours was like, oh yeah, I've been meaning to sit down and listen to your back catalogue. And I was like, we have a back catalogue. <laughs> Yes! Amazing! <laughs> well, I'm glad we got this far. I wasn't sure that we would. I thought that something would intervene and we had a shaky point around episode four where it all looked like it was... Everything went to shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, but here we are. We were very sensibly releasing, not releasing the week, you know, we made them. Mm. We, we had a, 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 a sensible backlog of recordings so we could get through that. Yeah. Yes, because I know who I am as a person and we were definitely going to miss weeks so we have <laughs> we have a buffer so yeah this this won't go out until a while after we record it but uh mm-hmm. yeah i frankly did not think we would make it this far and i was fine with that i thought we would do three episodes and like get tired uh so i'm we've done three yeah. times as much podcasting as i expected Woo. <laughs> this is this is impressive yeah so this was one of my one of my favorites but i was also completely terrified by it um reading it initially um and it was one of the first babysitters club books that i read i think um because i got them all out of sequence uh and i think this was among the books that i was like i probably shouldn't read this you know like seven or something because i know it's gonna freak me out um and then eventually reading it anyway out of the sheer curiosity and predictably not being able to sleep that night that's so cute No, this is so little when you read these. Oh my god, I was, I was like little, ten. Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah, no, I was um. Oh, well, I definitely started reading the little sister books when I was about six. So yeah, yeah, I think I didn't come to this too much longer afterwards, but it might have been a year or two before I got to this one. Still though, that's that's very little and cute. But yeah, there was loads Adorable. of books at home that I was like, I want to read that, but I know I'm going to be terrified. Um, yeah, I read my dad's um vintage copy of 
Ghost Stories of an Antiquary by M.R. James, who's his early oh. 20th century. When I was about eight and I had held off for a long time because I was like, that is going to scare the shit out of you, Karen. You're only eight. Stop doing it. But then I, I read it anyway and was, oh my God, they're so scary. Sadly, they're not scary anymore because I read them too many times and now they're comforting bedtime reading. Ah, oh, yeah, that happened. But this that I've happened. given an uh, approximately... 25 plus year break from this book <laughs> and I read it again and was like this kind of holds up you know I'm not terrified but it's pleasantly spooky well done to Anna Martin <laughs> yes it's it's a good like it's creepy without being too scary for the age group like it's yeah it's... entry level spook I, mm-hmm. I was a wuss of a 10 year old like absolutely <laughs> Um, but I was also obsessed with the paranormal. This was a bad <laughs> combo. Yeah, me too, yeah. Do you remember there was like an Osborne true ghost stories or paranormal yes. investigations book? Yes. Well, everything else in that series was like about science. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I used to science. check that and other books of its ilk out of the library. And plus I used my parents' card to get the, the grown-up true paranormal ones out as well. <laughs> and, and I would just scare the pants off myself. So this I found like an absolutely manageable level of spooky. It was delicious oh. chill up the spine spooky rather than I'm not sleeping for a week. Right. My sisters were really into, they were really into like Take a Break and like those really depressing True Life oh, magazines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they were, but they also had ghost stories in them. Also, yeah, they were also into the spin off paranormal editions of them, which there don't <laughs> seem to be many of now. I think, as far as I know, the only one that's still out is Chat It's Fate, uh, which is a guaranteed good time um, <laughs> <laughs> for something to read. But they were, they, I, w- I would read those to bits. They were full of like, ghost stories and hauntings and there was this one story about this woman like I say story but like it was presented as absolute fact this woman who moved to a street in England where they were under a curse that everyone who lived on the street would have their fate tied to a specific character from Coronation Street and whatever happened to that character would happen to them and like she moved to the street and she was like this place seems so nice it's such a great place to live and they were like you'll soon find out what it's really like and then and and they were all kind of watching to see which character she'd end up mirroring and um, I absolutely 100% believe this I was like that's wild that that's a thing that can happen that's mad and then like when I was like 18 I kind of revisited this memory and was like, that's probably not true. <laughs> Thinking about it, maybe. Do you know what, though? I could totally see a group of people who all watched Coronation Street and lived on the same street concluding that that was what happened. Because sooner or later, everything happens on Coronation Street. That's so true. you just yeah. have to wait around long enough. And Coronation Street's been running for about five million years. Yeah. So there's going to be someone yeah, who's exactly. had to think... Coronation Street is like a super concentrated version of all of the drama (laughs) that could possibly happen to somebody in Britain. Yes. Yes. So when you've got a town, most people have one to two dramas over the course of however many years. Mm -hmm. And all of those dramas have occurred on Coronation Street. It's fine. So, yeah, you could have got um, something sent in by someone who absolutely you know, felt mm. this was... I can see why you really would think it was true. Yeah. You're right. Maybe I've misjudged these people and I apologise. Um, <laughs> they are totally, totally living the curse of Coronation Street. I tend to assume people who aren't making money off it aren't lying. They think they're telling the mm-hmm. truth. Mm. Yeah. And like, I love um, accounts of people's true life ghost experiences. Oh, yeah. Um, but the more I read them, the more I think it's 
basically all just pattern recognition. (laughs) And the other source of ghost experiences is waking up or thinking you're awake, but actually you're still asleep. So somebody's like, yes, I I woke up and he was standing over me like... No, but you were actually still asleep then. Yeah. Or sleep paralysis. Yeah. My my policy is ghosts are fun and cool and therefore I believe in ghosts. Um, Okay, yeah, that's legit actually. I I wish I could. I'd rather live in a universe where ghosts are a thing. So (laughs) I have decided that I do. (laughs) I like that. I like that. I, I, I don't believe, all right, so I, at some stage I, I, I kind of was like, Aoife, you can't believe things just because they're fun and cool. <laughs> oh no, I made that decision in my mid-twenties. Or interesting or good stories. I'm it like, does. okay, you can't believe things just because they're good stories. You've got to try and believe things that are true. I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. Me, they're still good stories, so you can still enjoy the stories. Which mm-hmm. means that I will go on every haunted house tour, ghost bus oh, yeah, tour, so etc. that there is. Like... Oh, scare, ter- terrify me. I was standing there in the most haunted ha- house in England in Stratford-on-Avon, like, terrified with chills running up my spine, shivering in mm-hmm. this room where there was an evil ghost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will choose to believe it in the moment. I just don't believe it out of the moment. But it's way <laughs> too good a story not to give in to in the short term. Yes. See, daytime me is Esther. And I'm like, yeah, I love ghosts. They're so much fun. I totally believe in them. And um, nighttime me is like, no. There are no such things as ghosts. And I have to say, so this last week I was away um, staying in a really nice old farmhouse in Tipperary, which was built in 1935. Um, We were staying in the old master bedroom, um, which has a locked door leading out of it into a room that we could not access, but which seems to be used as a storage loft. But I could see the window from outside and at the second half of the week, it looked like the window was open and I had not noticed it being open. Yes. And I was like, if you, if like, if the owner had been in, he would have had to have moved a lot of our stuff to get access to that. So I was, I, there were a couple of nights this week that I was lying there, um, probably with a awake child, um, going, Hmm, I kind of wish I hadn't been reading ghost of Dawn's house this particular week. <laughs> but of course there are no such things as ghosts, Karen. So you should go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> not think about what's on the other side of the door that you're right next to um so yeah that's the only spooky thing that happened uh i suspect the window was just open when we arrived and i hadn't noticed no totally the ghost <laughs> the ghost I mean... needed some fresh air because it's been a really humid week <laughs> yes it really has oh yes also as i as i said previously um so <laughs> there was a inexplicable thermal blanket on our bed when we arrived that's not the spooky part the spooky part is that we found this and turned it the fuck off after a very bad first night and then <laughs> yeah. later on in the week came up to bed and we're like this you could fry an egg on this bed what has gone on here so it had been turned on again but i am traveling with a toddler <laughs> who likes to press buttons and found oh my god so many buttons in the house for pressing the dvd player will never be the same again <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I think he just turned on the thermal blanket and for good measure turned it up to 12. Ah! <laughs> I don't know why it goes up to 12 instead of 10. It's a very spinal tap kind of approach to things. So yeah, we had to wait like an hour before we could get into the bed again. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, so yes, toddlers are ghosts. It's very hard to tell. Sorry, that was a big digression there. Um, that was, oh, but, but it I think very we're... relevant. I think talking about our ghost opinions and experiences is going to be important for this episode. Yeah, I mean, this is basically on topic. <laughs> so, Aoife, you said you remembered exactly two facts about this book. I remembered, okay, three. If you like, as things, one, I remembered who the what who a bunch of the ghost stuff was actually being done by. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two, 
I remembered that there was an old-fashioned ice cream cone. <laughs> and three, I remembered that there was an Indian head nickel. This is it. This is the sum total of things I actually remembered from that book. I remembered the Indian head nickel as well. Mm. I didn't remember these offhand, uh, but I remembered a lot of stuff from the book. Um, yeah, because I think I read this one a lot, you know, yeah, surreptitiously. Um, and things like falling through the trapdoor. Now, I read so many of these at around the same time that various of the sort of side plots and things all mesh into one another. So I don't necessarily know what it was that I was... Um, or what book they occurred in. And there was some other, there were some of that kind of side plot line things, which were pretty good. Um, but yeah, I remember kind of the basic story and the whole, um, the the backstory that Dawn uncovers about the ghost. But yeah, so should we go through the plot? Sure, uh, yeah. 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 Let's do that. Um, all right. So it's, it opens right after Marianne and Stacy have just got back from their beach trip in the previous book. Mm-hmm. So Dawn has been in California with her dad, who is consumed with guilt over the divorce and has spoiled them rotten as a result. Mm-hmm. So they have gone to beaches, amusement parks, shopping, dinners and restaurants, movies, treats, surprises. Uh, she describes him as a Disneyland daddy, which is a great term. <laughs> I remember that, actually. Yeah. yeah. I did remember that term. I didn't know it was from this book, but I definitely remembered that term and Don's mm-hmm. dad being like that. Although she rather poignantly says that he doesn't feel like her dad anymore, but he, at least he's better than no dad at all, which um... which I have highlighted with a note saying sick burn on Christmas. <laughs> oh. oh, I didn't even interpret it that way. I mean, I don't think um... it was meant to be like that. I was just, you know, in that kind of mood when I read it. <laughs> My note just says, oof. So yeah, like in the show, they really highlight that specific difference. So yeah, between the like <laughs> divorced father who is at least really trying and uh, Christy's void of a parent. So. Yes, divorced dad who was fucked all the way off. Yeah, classic deadbeat. So the girls are all catching up. Uh, they're having uh, depressing snacks. Uh, well, the three of the girls have fun snacks and then Stacy and Dawn get crackers. I have so many angry highlights of crackers in this book because every time they <laughs> eat junk food, they give Stacey and Dawn some crackers and like nuts exist. Like fruit exists, dried fruit, trail mix exists. There are other things that you could give them other than crackers. Mm. Like there's just something so sad about like chomping down some dry, like cream crackers while your friends are eating entertainingly named ho-hos and ringdings. I mean, we could assume maybe they're tuck. But yeah, even so, I always assumed there must be some American crackers that were better than dried cream crackers, which are really only a vehicle for cheese, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'm picturing like saltines, which is what Americans eat when they have food poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> or like morning sickness. Oh, yeah, morning sickness. That's the thing you're supposed to carry in your bag until yes. it turns into a packet of crumbs and hopefully doesn't. Because nobody get wants everywhere. to chow down on a packet of saltines given <laughs> any, any alternative. I'm just going to point out I eat plain crackers. I, so do I. <laughs> but if I went to someone's house oh, no. and everyone was having fun snacks I wouldn't want and to I was like. plain crackers at someone else's exactly. house. I mean, maybe if they knew me really well, it was like, oh, thank you, you're. Um, indulging my weirdness and i would eat them but you know if i was legitimately hungry and i didn't have time to get something proper i would very happily eat exactly four cream crackers or but i wouldn't regard that as a treat i wouldn't be like (laughs) i've had a fun treat snack i've really treated myself spoiled myself rotten today (laughs) me time it's time for cream crackers the the uh unappealingness of the crackers uh 
it's good to establish that early on because it does set the scene for an incident that happens later on in the book, <laughs> which we will we will have to get to. So yes, which is totally justified by the sounds of it. There's 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 just a lot of like food in these books, really. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, I definitely did not know what s'mores were. No, no, uh, not when I, when I read this book, I didn't either. Yeah, or I, I learned from these books what s'mores were. All right, th- this might be a record for how distracted we've gotten this early into the plot because we're still on chapter one and (laughs) most of this is my fault so i apologize for that so um didn't you give out to us for talking at length about what vegetables we did and didn't like and we've just spent like three minutes on crackers i I had to cut out everyone's opinions on parsnips (laughs) which went on for like five minutes in um what in episode five I've been editing it and there's just a lot of parsnip discussion <laughs> for the record and not to belabor the point, but for the record I'm against. Yes. <laughs> You're very, very Esther, emphatic about that. Cut that out as well. <laughs> right. We can't have any parsnip talk in this town. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> this is a parsnip free zone. Um Okay. The girls are catching up. They're talking about babysitting. They babysit some kids, right? Um, <laughs> the main thing the end. is that Dawn's decided that her main goal in life right now is to be terrified. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's true, actually. Yeah. She is scaring herself with a book that she got out of the library. Yes. Which does, again, bear out Aoife's theory that these girls are massive drama queens who love being scared. Because she's she knows she's afraid of the book but she got it out of the library anyway. But we were just discussing that exact phenomenon, or at least yes. I did oh, that. So did sure. I. There were definitely books in the library that I was looking at for like months and going, no, I can't. And then eventually just read. Um, so yeah, it's a thing. That's a thing people do. It is a thing. So yeah, she's gotten out ghosts and spooks, chills and thrills, stories not to be read after dark, which I think is a thinly disguised ripoff of scary stories to read in the dark, mm-hmm. um, which I have never read. But I think it's, like, iconic for 80s kids. Mm -hmm. So Dawn is scaring the crap out of herself. And there's weird, spooky noises. There's rattling at the window. There's a storm. Uh, Her mom insists it's just the house settling, which is, like, just such generic uh, early section of a ghost story talk. Blather. Yes. Yes. (laughs) They always say the house is settling. The house has been there since, like, 1798 or something. Mm -hmm. I think it's settled. It's it's <laughs> gone wherever it's going. Actually, to be honest, if you if your house is making distinct noises and it's that old, you probably need to check that it isn't doing something more worrying than settling that might require like a builder to fix. Sharon needs to get a surveyor in there. <laughs> yes, yeah. you don't have an entire wall of bees or something. Yeah. Or just about to collapse, like your friend whose house had so many books yes. in that they had to put a joystick in to hold the, the second story up. Yeah, it was I know. falling down from too many books. My life stream is to make that happen. In wow, house. I'm impressed. <laughs> I know it's amazing. Um, I mean, the thing is that this, this is Dawn's mother, a woman whom we have just seen put her glasses in a butter dish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she can be trusted to get in a surveyor to That's investigate right. suspicious noises. Now, eventually, Dawn is going to have to be the one to call in the surveyor. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Dawn will be like, "Ma'am, I think we have termites. Can you just..." Give me some funding to get them taken care of. <laughs> um, so, yes, the, there's ongoing ongoing disturbances, which are definitely not Dawn imagining things. Totally not. Um, in her old creepy house, which actually it has been established as kind of old and creepy in previous books. So that was some good foreshadowing by um, Anna. Mm-hmm. 
Um, also, Dawn mentions that her mom has been very busy with her new job and has not been going out with Mr. Spear, mm. which Dawn is not happy <laughs> yes. about. Mm-hmm. She has she has been playing the field and Dawn is severely unimpressed. She's been really, like, impressively playing the field. You'd be hard put to get that many dates with... Yeah, she's gone out with people from work and, like, and, and uh, someone her parents set her up with and, like, just... Like at least five people, I got the impression. Mm-hmm. And like all of this without Tinder having been invented. Say that. like, That's what I was thinking. Actually, find <laughs> these people in Meet Space and arrange dates with them. So I guess she does have some admin skills. They're just only targeted towards her love life. There was quite a lot of. Some of it is probably her keeping her parents happy. Yeah, going out with a guy that's the son of her parents' friends sounds excruciating. Mm-hmm. And then going back to her her parents house to have like dessert with them or something. which dawn was like that sounds serious like that sounds awful that's <laughs> like, it. i did like literally got full body chills when i read this i cannot think of anything more uncomfortable yeah. than a date that ends up at my parents house <laughs> with the guy that they set you up with yeah you know ah. <laughs> i yeah. That is some guy that they know whose parents they presumably know. Okay. Bridge club or something. Hypothetical golf club yeah. or whatever. So so Sharon Sharon Porter has her own stuff going on right now, which makes a certain amount of sense because she has she has got no time for what is going on in Dawn's head right at the moment, which is that there is something creepy uh in their house. Um or in the general vicinity of their house. Um and Dawn isn't hundred percent sure whether she is uh pro or con this development yes. but she's definitely going to investigate the shit out of it so yes they have some stormy weather so she decides to get all the girls over to help search the house for secret passages mm-hmm. so claudia who has read like all the nancy drew books is the expert on this so she can tell them like to poke at all the molding and feel for secret mm-hmm. panels and concealed springs and stuff and which is delightful <laughs> that reminds me of the fact that i've watched an awful lot of csi it makes me fantastic at doing forensics in my larp <laughs> <laughs> yeah claudia would be a good like whodunit larper yeah. oh my god yeah so there is there is a totally unrelated to anything else side plot with um claudia babysitting jamie newton which i think anna martin had just written and was like i'm gonna put this somewhere as a, as a side scene and i read it and i was like Oh my gosh! It's this painful is to read. Way too relatable. <laughs> I was actually reading that, and I was thinking, "Ah, this is where it starts." The ah, uh, I can't get everything actually tied in together in this book. I'm just gonna fucking put that in. It's fine. Throw in some babysitting. The uh, audience yeah. is ten; they don't care. I w- I like that. Yeah, I like that kind of. I mean, just... it doesn't. It never bothered me as a reader. It doesn't bother me now. Um, but I can see why. The earlier books were actually much better at having everything that happened either thematically or plot-wise yeah, related. related. And this is, I was like, oh, yeah. it begins. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's she's writing a town, you know, and a community and in, in the background. Even and if, a club. And a club. And even when your major drama is happening in the foreground and there might be a dead guy some uh, just on the other side of the wall, there's also your friends are still babysitting for um, obnoxious three-year-olds that will not go to bed. And oh my God, I just, I felt so, yeah, so I, much I, for Claudia. I, I I felt very bad for Claudia and I felt it was very relatable, but I also laughed my head off at like Jamie Newton's like mind games that he, that he plays. So at one point, like she's trying to get him into his pajamas. So he asks, can, can he have his like dinosaur pajamas or whatever? And she says sure and he's like good they're in the wash 
Um, so she oh, has yes. to retract that. Uh, <laughs> so then she go- gives him some other pajamas to wear and he gets embarrassed and says she has to leave the room or turn around while he's getting changed. So she does. And then there's a lot of silence. And after three minutes, she turns around and he's just run away. <laughs> Which is amazing. Yeah. I <laughs> like it's it's so annoying, but it's also extremely. There's a couple funny. like almost mm-hmm. like top tips in there. Like how Claudia yes. well, first off, this wasn't really framed as a top tip. It was just a yeah, you just gotta be able to lie. Uh where he says, How long is it gonna take for my pajamas to dry? And she's like, Twelve hundred and seventy eight minutes and he's like, Oh wow, okay. <laughs> um yeah. or when she offers him, Well, well, do you want this pajamas or this pajamas? Uh, because she said, because if I asked him if he wanted to wear either of them, he could just say no. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is that is absolutely a thing that you do oh, all God, the yeah. time. <laughs> they're that yeah. age. Oh, there, there is also a thing where you're like, oh, give your child two options and then um, it will give, it'll make them feel like they have agency, you know. And whereas it's so common for your kid to go, no, I want either of those. Yeah. Um, like all these tips for gentle parenting, there's just rely on your kid being in the mood to go with it (laughs) and not to just yell at you yeah i say you do that all the time but i actually don't i cannot think of a time when it ever actually worked (laughs) i would say which of these do you want and she'd say no yeah yeah it's better than being like yeah you're putting this one on yeah Yeah. um oh that also results in no (laughs) yeah whatever you do is going to result in that so sooner or later you just have to shoehorn them into the pajamas you can try so hard to do this like high integrity thing but at the end of the day you mostly are if you're gonna have to like bribe distract or just like just bundle them into it (laughs) like that's how you get the pajamas on so yes claudia did did well i think as well i don't know if kids behave better for babysitters or if there's like it depends on the night um but i think in the end like him realizing that she was gonna lose her shit we kept it up eventually got him into bed although i think he got out eight or nine times for glasses of water and yes that kind of thing poor claudia she just wanted to watch tv and it's the olden days and the tv can't pause <laughs> yes like, exactly I, i'm just thinking like the show is actually ticking away and it's actually gonna end at a specific mm-hmm. point in time like that's so stressful when i was babysitting in the 90s i made sure that if i had a show i needed to watch that it was set that VCR was set to record back home and everyone <laughs> in the house was under orders that I was recording this at that time and they weren't allowed to stop it or change the channel. Now that's a babysitting tip. Yes. And that way if I missed it, it was okay. Random subplot of Jamie Newton having a bad night and acting up and refusing to go to bed and, making, and ruining uh, Claudia's babysitting night. And then everything else is to do with uh, the Pikes babysitting wise. Um, oh, there's also... Um... Marianne goes to babysit at oh, Christie's yes. old house where the Perkins family have moved yes. in. Yes, the Mary Sue family. Yeah. <laughs> Love yes. it. So there's Miria and Gabby. Uh, Marianne is like, she almost starts crying when she sees their stuff in Christie's old room, but like manages to just That's hold so it real. together, fortunately. And her standing there being weirded out because she can't just go into the house. She has to wait for them to open the door. Mm. But yeah. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I felt that. But then she realizes that she quite likes them. Also that Gabby is universally known as the Gabbers, which is hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. And that Mrs. Perkins is pregnant, which Marianne is wildly excited about and decides that actually she loves the Perkinsons. These girls are weirdly possessive towards pregnant women. But yes, Marianne is like coping with her emotions about uh, Christy having moved. That's, That's nice. 
a thing. It's not wildly mm-hmm. interesting, but it is a thing that happens. Then it's non-stop pikes and secret tunnels. Secret tunnel! Secret tunnel! <laughs> um, sorry, yes. Uh, so the pikes and the secret tunnels things are kind of related. So I, I can't remember what the sequence is exactly, but Dawn is still... Um, so the initial um, babysitter's club search of the house turned up nothing useful. Um, but in the meantime, Dawn has been babysitting the Pikes uh, and there is some there is some serious tension going on between the triplets, who I have a uh, very important note here, which is <laughs> towards the end of my notes, which says the triplets are a bunch of a-holes, um, yeah, which I believe is true. Yeah. Yeah. They are being incredibly mean to their brother Nikki who really wants to hang out with them because he's in an awkward position in the mega pike family um so he is among in the younger tranche and they are slightly older I don't even think it's the age thing because I mean they're 10 and he's 8 it's not a huge gap Mm -hmm. the issue is they're triplets and he's younger and everyone else in the family are girls and he doesn't want to play with girls Mm. It's that's literally it. He's like, I don't want to play with the girls. Like the triplets don't hang out with uh, Vanessa either, and she's like nine. She's cool with that, I think, though, because she has an artistic thing going she's on. She's a poet, and probably doesn't want to be part of there. Yeah, and I can see why Nikki maybe isn't really chiming with that mm-hmm. either. Um, and he just wants to hang out with his brothers, oh, yeah. and they are just—they do not even recognize that this is a thing and they are being douches to him they like, really really are um yes so yeah i don't have examples listed here but yeah uh there's there's going to be some somewhere so anyway nikki is getting upset about this so the parents have instituted a kind of a typical laissez-faire pike rule for nikki which is that he is allowed to go off and play by himself if that's what he wants to do but he has to stay within a two block radius of the house but a couple of times he uh, he goes off and the babysitters can't find him. And eventually he does show up, but they don't know where he's been in the meantime. He says he stayed within the radius and they trust him more or less with this. But there's other types of pike-related chaos going on, so they don't know necessarily where he's been. Um, I th- actually, I like the way they play that, that it is Dawn who mm-hmm. is freaking out when he's gone, even though she knows he's allowed because of what mm-hmm. happened with Buddy. Yes. Mm. And she's... Yeah. In, so what book was that? It was in Dawn and the Impossible 3. Yeah. And... Yeah, she's yeah. probably freaking out more than any of the others would be. Yeah, mm-hmm. the others would be like, "Well, Nikki's gone off within his two block radius. It's fine." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she kind of says that she's like, "Yeah, yeah, kids going missing really upsets me," which yeah. is like, that's fair. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's a very reasonable response. I mean, it's kind of a legit response in general for babysitters. Yeah, <laughs> if one of the kids has disappeared. She's more apologetic about it than she needs to be. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not that it can, it's that she goes looking for Nikki when there hasn't been any reason to think there's a problem other than that he's a bit upset mm-hmm. and he's gone off to be by himself. But because he's not there yeah. anymore and she's worried about that more than the others would be, she goes and looks for him mm-hmm. a couple of different times. Yeah, and can't find him. And can't find him. Yeah, which is which then she's genuinely then worried because she can't find him yeah. for a block, you know, with, Two block radius isn't that big. Yeah, I never quite understood the block thing um, and whether that is a designation that is is the same or if it's if it's just something that is different depending on the layout of your specific town. Um, but yeah, this is an American thing <laughs> that I don't know what it means. Yeah, I think it's just like, yeah, if the streets are in a grid, so 
don't cross more than two streets, basically, yeah. in any right. direction. Ah, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Wow, streets laid out in a grid. I know. I know. What is, what's it like living in a non-medieval city? <laughs> notions. The absolute <laughs> notions of it. I know. Let's put these places in straight lines. Yeah, but like, even when they were building non-medieval places around here, they're just like, no, we're we're going to build a housing estate. One person is designing and building all of this, and all of the roads will have a slight curve to them because people don't like it the other yeah, way. Yeah, it'll be curly. It's fine. Yeah, the houses are all identical, but there's curves. Exactly. So yes, yeah, one of the examples I have of, of the triplets being assholes is they're... First of all, they're all hanging out in their room, like, monopolizing the air conditioner. And Don, like, tries to bring Nikki along because he wants to, like, go cool off there as well. And they all mm -hmm. burst out of the room and announce that they're going swimming and they they have permission to bring a friend swimming. And Nikki's face lights up. And then they're like, yeah, Don, we called your brother. We're going to meet him at the swimming pool. And, like, mm. Nikki is sort of quietly devastated. And they take off and ignore him um because they're wildly insensitive mm -hmm. uh this is yeah this is just the first example of their douchiness but um mm -hmm. they're very annoying yeah so i yeah i thought um his his disappearance was kind of yeah enjoyably sort of spooky i have that noted down here but yeah the way that it was all sort of gradually built up throughout the book was handled yeah. really well um yeah so dawn is slightly creeped out about that and also she has this thing going on at home where yes. there are noises and she's being disrupted um, in her room uh, both during the day and at night. Um, now, something that I noticed uh, it particularly was that um, there's there's more noises, some of which she describes as moaning yeah. Yeah. at night and yeah. especially when it's raining. And I was like, something that happens more when it's raining kind of suggests that there is something going on yeah, really <laughs> like, like I really think they do need to get the structure looked at maybe um, the ghosts just don't like rainy weather the ghost has rheumatism <laughs> well he's super old so yeah so so I guess um we can move on to the bit where she has um she has like an afternoon off after babysitting the yeah. pikes yes. I think and goes she takes her book and she goes into the barn so the house has a barn which we've seen in a previous book as well um, and she finds a comfortable corner that looks a bit cooler than everywhere else and sits down in it to read her book and she falls through a trapdoor um, and kind of into quite a long drop by the sound of it. And But she's okay, surprisingly. Um, and she finds herself in a passageway. Woo! Secret passage! Secret passage! Uh, so, which instead of climbing out as fast as possible and running away screaming, um, she's like, oh yeah, cool. Okay, I'm going to explore this. Um, although I think she may go and get a torch. I can't remember. Yeah, she uh, does. Yeah. So does anybody else think that Dawn is like, um, like impressively sort of hard headed for a teenager? Like all the stuff that she's done in previous books where she's like, here's how I'm going to make this. Here's how I'm going to fix this situation. Yeah. Um, and like, instead of freaking the fuck out, she's just like, okay, right. I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to stick to it. Let's go. That, that yeah. kind of stuff, yes. Exploring a secret tunnel with a torch, no. I would have done that as a scaredy cat 12-year-old, 100%. Like, I would have been <laughs> there for that. I mean, I would have been, like, terrified every step of the way and then run if I'd heard any noises, but I would have had to explore that tunnel. <laughs> I, I mean, to this day, one of the worst things to happen to me is to know that there's something I don't know. Yeah, true, true, true. So I would have had to see where that tunnel went. That just was it. Yeah. So I think I would have gone and got eight people 
and possibly like one of those theatrical floodlights. <laughs> and we're like, yes, now we are prepared to explore this tunnel. Um, but I would not have gone into it by myself, which Dawn just sort of trots along to do. <laughs> yeah, so she she goes down the tunnel. And so what does she find? She goes into it a bunch of times in the course of this. Um, yes. And she keeps she keeps picking up souvenirs. <laughs> yes, on her first time, she finds a squashed old metal button, mm-hmm. um, a big buckle that looks like it's off an old timey shoe and a big old key so she takes those uh souvenirs and puts them in her room but she reckons that because all these artifacts are in there uh somebody must have got walled up and died in the tunnel Mm -hmm. and obviously that explains all the noises because the house is hella haunted yeah i i have to say i would have thought there'd be like bones or something yeah like you don't die and leave a piece of one of your shoes like <laughs> there's two shoes yeah. yeah she she her knowledge of like archaeological preservation is sadly lacking <laughs> shocking yeah janine would have known what you'd find in a tunnel if anyone had bothered to janine ask probably yeah. would have janine is who you need dated the buckle yes <laughs> like uh, no this is a 19th century buckle therefore it cannot be the ghost of uh, yeah, the in- the individual she eventually connects it with, which is really um, that's pretty cool, kind of interesting. Yes. So yeah, she her her mother, <laughs> having gone out on a date with one of these guys that were um, uh, recommended by her parents, um, comes home with a book which is really conveniently given to her by her grandmother, which is a very ancient history book about the history of Stony Brook, um, which really feels kind of like. Um, Hermione showing up with, oh, it was in Hogwarts, a history, um, you know. Uh, so th- that's all a little bit coincidental and convenient. Um, but on the other hand, I do like Dawn's habit of conducting like this extremely timely historical research <laughs> in ancient dusty tomes or yearbooks. Um, it's very buffy. She now having concluded, yeah, that there is a um, there's a ghost of some kind in her old house. She finds a story in the back of this history book about Stony Brook in the legends area about this guy called Jared Mulray, which is a name that genuinely, when I read it again, I was like, oh, <laughs> creepy. <laughs> um, it still works, guys. Um, so his parents had, so I think we're talking about the early 1800s. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, they had run out of money and they were going to sell their farm, which he really loved. Um, and he was not happy about this and refused to leave. Um, and apparently they were driving away and they asked him to come and he said, no, I'm not leaving. Yeah. Um, they heard him call from somewhere, but it didn't sound like it was coming from the house or the barn. It sounded, in fact, as what said was as though it came from somewhere between the house and the barn, but he wasn't anywhere in sight. And they searched the whole place and they couldn't find him. Um, so, which is kind of a very specific thing to have noted down. I know, you would never actually say that. But, hey. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they were like, maybe he's still there. Maybe um, the legend was that he would roam around Stony Brook scavenging food and trying to steal items of value so that he could um, pay to buy back the the, the farm. Yeah. Like, and yes, and we don't know where this farm is exactly. Um, and Dawn's like, oh my God, it must be my my farmhouse um, and barn. Did you guys catch the little like historical Easter egg in the story? Which? Mm-hmm. Um that the the rich banker who the Mulrays were in debt to is called Mr. Bradford. And the street where Christian Marianne live is Bradford, Bradford Court. Court. I missed that, oh but that's God. amazing. That's really good. Yeah, I only caught it like on my second reread. I was like, hang on a minute. I know that name. 
That's amazing. Wow, this town has a has a history. Yeah, yeah, that's really impressive. <laughs> um, and yeah, so what I like about this actually is that it doesn't say, and it was on one one two Bradford Street. You know, um, it's like it's not exact. It's like, oh yeah, this happened somewhere. Um, and she's like, oh my god, it's probably my house, but I guess I'll never know. Which is exactly what real history is like. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, yeah, this is fair. I I believe. I mean, in terms of real history, I was like, God, I'm so glad I live in 2020 where the Ordnance Survey of Ireland has put all historical mapping data up. So I have looked up the, every single old house I've ever lived in. <laughs> and I also have the 1901 and 1911 censuses mm. online and I look up th- those as well for old houses to see yeah. if they're there before me. This would be so much easier to do now. Like oh, gosh, this kind yeah. of research. Yeah. There's probably a ton of stuff that Dawn could do, but she doesn't kind of know about it. So um, it's just really handy yeah. that her granny has oh, yeah. uh, history books. Is yes. all I'm saying. Oh, yeah. So she, I think what happens is she and her brother are at home and there's a power cut one night. Yeah. Yes. Um, and they're like, oh, we've got to hang around in the dark and it's so boring. And Dawn is like, hey, you can come and explore this secret passageway with me. And he's like, what? Um, so they get torches yeah no that's crazy that i would not i would have drawn the line <laughs> yeah no i would only explore that secret passageway if i knew i could exit it to broad yes. daylight but it like so one end of it is in the barn guys and then it, it goes down a passage and it comes up a set of stairs and then it comes out in her room which like actually that's that's too close for comfort for me yeah, I, I don't like that at all yeah it turns out <laughs> um, there's like a secret hidden panel in her room where like you poke the molding and the door pops open uh so claudia was actually right uh it was a suspicious piece of molding and they actually spotted it yeah they definitely spotted it they just didn't know how to open it yeah so she takes jeff down this tunnel <laughs> sorry you go ahead uh yes and they find more stuff down there that dawn had not seen before mm-hmm. they find an indian head nickel which is a piece of coinage from the early 20th century and a there's kind of a weird thing with them, actually. So I looked them up and they try to find the date on the coin, but mm-hmm. the date is actually rubbed off. Mm-hmm. And when I Googled them, according to Wikipedia, there was a problem with the first of these coins that were issued, which is that like they had a flaw so that the date rubbed off really quickly <laughs> and they had to be redesigned so that the date wouldn't do that. So um, <laughs> that just seems like a weird thing to throw in. Like it doesn't seem to be pointing to anything specific, but it's it's... It's a weird little... I love that that's like, accurate. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird little fun fact to throw in. Well, maybe it's like her from her, her knowledge of his dark coins. Maybe she had a coin collection. <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, they also find part of an ice cream cone, which Don and Jeff are hilariously ignorant about ice cream cones because they've eaten like two ice cream cones each ever. And they're very confused because it's like, I think it's like a waffle cone. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like it's what they're describing. <laughs> but also, I was confused because they're like, ice cream cones have a flat bottom. And I'm like, no, they don't. Yeah, you know those ones that are like <sighs> a little cup? Yeah. That's like made of wafer. That's not a cone, is it? Um, no, we wouldn't call it a cone, but I guess in America they do. Well, there are the really cheap and nasty ones that have a flat base at the bottom. So it's like a, it looks like the Statue of Liberty's torch with a with a roundy cup. With the bottom but a flat off. face. Oh. But yeah. you only ever get those in like like the the 10 cent sweetie section of your local news agents oh yeah. the ones that have marshmallow all inside them yeah not yeah not. yeah those ones so yeah so they find what sounds like a better a better quality of ice cream cone yeah. and they're very confused <laughs> by this so they decide it's an old-fashioned cone so it must be like 
antique. It must be the ghost's ice cream cone. Yeah. Because everybody knows that ice cream cones preserve so well. And ghosts are notorious for, like, dropping bits of ice cream cones around the place. It's so classic. <laughs> it's almost a cliche. Ghosts toddlers alike. Yeah. Well, it is hard to tell them to apart as we've discovered. <laughs> Very true. So they freak the hell out and then they hear more creaking and moaning in the tunnel and they panic. So they run out and they call their grandparents' house because they know that's where their mom is on her super awkward arranged date with the son of her parents' friends. Uh, so mom turns up with her new date who's called Trip. Can, can I interject that I love that there's, they're in Dawn's room um, hanging out and being completely terrified. There's still no electricity and they're being pursued by a ghost and they still spend about five minutes just roasting yes. this guy. <laughs> yes. Who they've who never not met. Up yet, but they're like, what's he going to be like? Oh my God. Here's, yes. a, here's a description. Betty plays God. <laughs> yeah, they've headcanoned him as a hilarious yuppie. They're like, I bet he wears pink socks and alligator shirts and his friends call him the trip man. <laughs> I bet he plays golf and his idea of an amusing afternoon is balancing his checkbook. And for some reason, Don is also like, I bet he has glasses, but he has grey eyes, but he wears contacts to make them look blue, which is like weirdly specific. <laughs> yeah, is this somebody she knows? Maybe. Like, is this just a good description of, yeah. And they're not actually that far wrong, <laughs> really. No, they're not. So yes, the mom and her date show up at the end. And uh, um, frankly, there's no excuse for being called Trip. No. His real name is Theodore Gwyn. Um, and he has chosen to go through life known as Trip. And I I have no sympathy for a man who does that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, almost once per book, someone in these books has a terrible, terrible name. Yeah. Like, there was Ham. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else. And this time, it's Trip. There was a skip, I think, somewhere in the last one. Mm. That sounds about Ooh. right. He's not wearing an alligator shirt, but he is wearing a pink shirt. So, um, they decide that they're vindicated in their scorn of him. <laughs> then he's super mansplainy, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's terrible. He takes over <laughs> investigating, and then, like, lectures the mom about how the door is a security risk and here's what she should do about it which like yeah. he's not wrong but nobody asked him and it's not his house and he's been on one date with this woman and yeah he can get in the bin exactly um like and they he talks to the mother instead of the two kids who are like ah and so um yeah sharon and trip are are both um don is like it's a ghost and they're both like uh we don't, we don't talk about the ghost. And like, they, this is the first they've heard about it. Okay. You're not, you're not even remotely a dad. You're not even dad adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> you're basically lower on the, like, you are the postman in terms of the hierarchy. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> um, so you don't get to be disproving about this. And like, I feel like they could, even if they don't believe in ghosts, they could sort of try and understand a bit more about where the kids are coming from because they've legit just discovered a secret yeah. passageway in the house. Yeah, like that's objectively cool. And they just got saved from a no doubt excruciating evening dessert session with Don's snobby parents. <laughs> they should be grateful, to be honest. Uh. So yeah, Trip, Trip man mansplains home security to Don's mother, which like, mm -hmm. it's really baffling because she does go on to say that they lock the secret panel in her room but like how the hell do you lock a piece of wall it's literally a section of wall at no point do they explain how what the mechanism is what you attach a lock onto i always just figured they put a they they um screwed a bolt to the wall that would make sense i mean 
Yeah. But that's not what she says. No, it really isn't. And I, and I now realize that I just filled all that in myself in order to make it less inexplicable. Yeah, because it makes no sense. I wonder, did Anna and Martin do that, though, as well? <laughs> like, yeah, we just, they just locked just, it. It's, the details it's are they unimportant. Locked they locked it. They locked the wall. <laughs> it's important to me. You can't lock a piece of wall. It makes no sense. Well, there you go. I've solved it for you. Uh, it's grudable. Anna Martin yeah. should have made it make sense in the first place, though. <laughs> you hear that, Anne? <laughs> Fix it. Why don't you email her? Because she's 65 <laughs> and she's probably got better things to do. Sure. <laughs> like um, producing the new series. Yes, exactly. On Netflix. Yeah. That's probably more rewarding than answering like angry emails from like early middle aged housewives <laughs> in other countries. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I said early, and you're younger than me, so it's fine. So, actually, where were we? Sorry. So, okay, um, they... She's hanging out with Marianne in the barn a few days later. Mm -hmm. Um, And Marianne is wistfully remarking that she thinks she's too afraid of things, and Dawn's like, yeah, you fucking (laughs) hate And then Marianne does point out that since her trip to Sea City, she has overcome her fear of boys, and now she's madly in love with a movie star called Cam Geary. (laughs) Uh, and she really wishes he'd come live in Stony Brook, which I'm not gonna spoiler, but is some delightful foreshadowing for the next one. Oh, book. wow. Marianne has got the hots for Cam Geary big time. I have no recollection whatsoever of the next book. I'm not sure I even read it at all. So this will be an interesting experience. But oh, anyway, exciting. Cam Geary, though, I know that, like, Marianne is really boring about Cam Geary on many <laughs> uh-huh. occasions. Yes. <laughs> like, I just, I never got the whole, like, being in love with a celebrity thing. And I'm sure it, it, it forms an important psychological stage or something like that. But I was always like, oh my God, you cannot believe that this person has any knowledge of your existence. Come on. Like- <laughs> a friend of mine who shall remain nameless for the purpose of this podcast, <laughs> uh, and it actually wasn't me, <laughs> swears to this day that she failed her junior cert business studies exam because that was the day that Stephen Gately came out as gay and she realized she'd never be with him. <laughs> Oh, and the trauma was too much to bear and do a decent junior or business studies exam. That's amazing. Do I have to cut this out or can I leave uh, it in? You can leave it in. I left it completely anonymous. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> a generation of young hopes ruined by Stephen Gately. <laughs> they could have been business women, but <laughs> then they failed business studies. How could he do it in the middle of the junior cert? That's so selfish. I know. He must have known the impact on that. Yeah, do it during the GCSEs instead. (laughs) (laughs) Has he no national pride? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Jesus. What? The door behind me just opened up and I was like, what the fuck? Uh, A cash has uh, entered the room. I'm super jumpy. Yeah, earlier on, Esther, your door opened spontaneously, and I didn't want to interrupt you because you were talking about something. I presume there was a reason for that. Oh, that was Jake. Okay, cats. No, it was the ghost. We do have a lot of suspicious noises, but that was just Jake. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry, yeah, so... <laughs> Marianne is um, like, oh, yeah, I'm so, I'm so, like, uh, I'm in love with Cam Geary, and also I'm afraid of everything. Um, and then Dawn is like, yeah, so... Let's go and explore the secret passageway. <laughs> so we don't have to talk about Cam Geary anymore. I think so. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Again, with Don being very astute, like that's a good way to stage manage that conversation yeah. away from being boring. I mean, I do feel like she's gradually escalating the people she's telling about the passageway. So like her brother seems to be a pretty sensible nine-year-old. Um, yeah, he is. So yeah, he's the first person that she tells. Um, 
Marianne is not someone I would bring in, into a, a scary situation. No. Unless I was trying to troll her. Because Marianne will cut a bitch when when pressed. And this comes up again. Yeah. Like, Mar- Marianne does what Marianne will do. So Don convinces Marianne to go into the tunnel. And they're going from the house to the barn this time. And so Don has like been holding back some details. She doesn't tell her about the stuff that they'd found. Or about the ghost. She's very weirded out mm-hmm. because she had got worried that the ghost would be mad that she took the Indian head nickel away. So she returned it, but it's now gone missing again. Uh, so she reckons uh, the ghost of Jared has got it and he's trying to give it to Mr. Bradford. But they're hearing more noises. They find peanut shells in the tunnel, at which point Don panics and spills everything about the ghost as well. And is like, yeah, the ghost's been eating peanuts and littering in the tunnel. And I'm so scared. So Marianne fucking runs away and tries to shut the secret door with Don still inside the tunnel. Which is like, actually classic Marianne. Marianne will cut a bitch. Marianne will leave a bitch to die in a secret passage. Yeah, yeah. because really from the description, the ghost TM, it sounds way more like a zombie. (laughs) (laughs) Moaning and creaking and like snacking. I mean, ghosts are not known for their incessant snacking. No, they do go This is a zombie in the moaning could be a ghost. mm. Yeah, but yeah, Dawn has to basically push her way out and be like, don't shut me up in the walls. (laughs) And Marianne's like, oh yeah, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, said Marianne. I wasn't thinking. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want Marianne mm-hmm. to like have your back in a tight situation because she might defend you with a burglar alarm made of tin cans, or she might wall you up in to die. She might, she might decide that you are the one who has to get left behind in order to ensure her own survival. She might cask of a Montiato. Yeah. <laughs> um. So what happens after that with Marianne? Do we then skip to the kind of um? sort of the climax of the whole piece yeah so i think there's more drama with yeah there's not much else like i mean they they have um oh yeah they have everyone over oh yeah hang on don finds a book called yes great dog tales that looks about 100 years old so i guess the ghost has been snacking and reading stories about dogs in his downtime but also I'm just like, Dawn, you were a very different person than I was at 11, because if I found an old book when I was 11 or 12, the first thing I would be doing was going to the flyleaf and trying to find out what year it was published. Yes. So you could actually find out how old the book was, Dawn. Well, I would have just taken the book home and read it. Like, also I'm, that. I'm just weirded out that, like, she got a free book and she didn't take it back. Also with that. She just left it. <laughs> it was full of stories about dogs. That, that, that's a, a yeah, win-win. Yeah, exactly. What's not yeah. to like? I would have been like, the ghost is awesome. He gave me a present. He knows I like books. I'm totally happy with the situation. Yeah, free book. How old is the book? It looks super old. This is exciting. Old things are cooler than new things. Exactly. I think when you have the possible ghost of a 18th, 19th century guy haunting your the passage that opens out into your room, maybe you just don't want any old stuff. But she kind of does, I suppose. Yeah, she keeps harvesting all his litter, so. Yeah. yeah. She, <laughs> she's she's just going between oh my god this is so cool and oh my god I'm never gonna sleep again ah you murder me in my bed even if I was scared to take the book because I thought there'd be some kind of vengeance I would like open it and find out mm-hmm. when it was published <laughs> okay I have never in my life seen an old book and not opened it to see how old it is this is just not <laughs> something I mm-hmm. can imagine doing not checking that. All the matters come to a head 
in an episode where Stacy is babysitting for the Pikes. It is Stacy, isn't it? Uh, yes, it's Stacy, and there's hilarious Pike shenanigans. And I'm thinking this is possibly the point where they start to require two sitters whenever they're sitting for the Pikes. <laughs> no, actually, this is when they've stopped getting two sitters because Mallory is big enough to be one of the sitters. That's it, yeah. Really? Yeah. I think I thought there was an entry in the book where they're like, yeah, no, but we really No, no, two. they've always, <laughs> always had two. Because Mallory's really happy because Mrs. Pike has decided Mallory is big enough to be the second sitter. Um, and they're Did like, the babysitters yeah. sign off on this? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And they're like, hmm, maybe she could join our club one day dot 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 which again is some nice foreshadowing yeah. this is this is a very charitable way of looking at it. i'm i'm surprised christy didn't go like nah you're gonna pay for two of our our club services or we're... yes you're just underpaying us yeah i mean yes so uh there is actually a point where it's pointed out that there is a record kept of everybody's earnings um, and I was like, wow, that's really interesting. I mean, I know they, they had um, an accountant and everything. I thought that was just for the club Jews, but apparently Christy is keeping tabs on who's getting what. Are you surprised? <laughs> nah. No, I guess I'm not. Yeah, it's um, very on brand. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, Stacy and Mallory are in charge and um, there's the usual stuff. The triplets are being really, like, unusually terrible. Um, and in the meantime, the younger girls cause havoc. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, in a very specific way. I laughed a lot at this, to be honest. It was it was pretty funny where um, Margot and Vanessa, who I think are like seven and nine, respectively, come down, you know, with the look of, yes, we've lost our younger sister. And by lost, I mean, we've buried her. <laughs> we've turned her into a foam creature. Um, but yeah, so it turns out they have turned her into a foam creature by using a sample of concentrated shampoo yeah, you're only meant to use like two drops of it and they use the whole sample is that a thing I'm, have you ever heard of never that never heard of it in my life it sounds like a plot point from a tintin book <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it so does yes <laughs> i mean foam is hilarious but <laughs> it is inherently funny uh yes they 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 get free marketing samples and last week they got some gum and they took all the gum and didn't let Claire have any. So to make it up to her, they let her have all the shampoo. So they used an entire bottle of this stuff and it's extremely far-fetched. It takes like 45 minutes to get all the bubbles off um, and Claire is just completely like entombed in blue foam. I don't think this is concentrated. I think this is industrial shampoo. Yeah, it sounds like maybe something you'd wash your truck with or something. <laughs> There's been a miscommunication at some point. <laughs> Just stick it in a bunch of le- a bunch of magazines. Get rid of it. I don't want it in my warehouse anymore. Um so yeah, um this is why this this is what Stacy is doing um while other drama is going on in the background and because Stacy's definitely trying to rinse shampoo from a four-year-old. For forty-five literal minutes. For forty-five minutes. Um so she calls in Dawn and she's like, Dawn, help! <laughs> bail me out Dawn's like okay yeah because um Dawn lives very close to the Pikes which is an important plot point yes <laughs> in case our listeners haven't worked this out within two blocks of the Pikes mm-hmm. if you see where <laughs> this is going Nikki has gone missing and Stacy is dealing with the foam situation <laughs> so she has to get Dawn over <gasps> she finds Nikki and starts to suspect but that's as far as it goes that day that was oh she notices that there's a familiar musty smell. Yes. Ah uh, yes. Yes. So she she goes around the neighborhood and she finds him and yes he has a suspicious familiar odor to him. 
and she, yeah, she starts to have suspicions that she wants to test, but she has a quiet few days, um, but then she gets, hears moaning sounds again, the passage, and is too scared to sleep in her bedroom, even though, quote, my wall was locked. Huh. And I'm just going to purse my lips disapprovingly at that line because it makes no sense. <laughs> So Maybe then, her wall was drunk. <laughs> it was just like <laughs> locked. <laughs> locked. I can see why she wanted to sleep in the living room. That's scary. <laughs> so yes, then she's over at the Pikes a few days later. Um, <laughs> Mar- Mrs. Pike has taken the girls off to have their hair fixed because um, their <laughs> hair is not recovered from the foam incident. Um, and the boys are. Like finally tolerating Nick, letting Nikki play with them, but they're playing basketball. Uh, he is one team, and the three triplets are the other team. Uh, mm-hmm. Which, like, that's the parents need to put the boot in at yeah. this point. That's mm-hmm. bullshit. Like, that's that's nonsense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's more wild Connecticut food shenanigans. Uh, where for lunch they decide to have a smorgasbord which is where you take all the leftovers out and everyone just goes hog wild Um, Byron is digging into the peanut butter with one hand and eating a pickle with the other hand Uh, Jordan has got the gas hob on to make fried bologna somebody else wants fried peanut butter and jelly someone else wants a fried egg Um, Nicky pipes up that he wants fried barf and the the triplets are like how gauche Um, (laughs) Nicky is crushed paraphrase um, but yeah yeah paraphrase but basically <laughs> so then um the triplets behavior reaches its peak where um they're sitting out on the porch eating and adam offers nikki half a cupcake and when nikki stands up to take it they pull his chair out from under him and he falls over and don finally loses her shit as everyone has been threatening to do with the pike boys mm-hmm. this entire book mm-hmm. and she tells them that she's gonna tell their mother which it seems to be something they never do. They like, mm-hmm. I, as an adult child minder was very tattle prone. I would tattle on the kid <laughs> at the least provocation. These girls do not tattle very much. Uh, but Dawn's like, I'm literally telling your mother and you also have to scrub the kitchen. So the triplets know they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was a, a, a teenage child minder, I did not really tell parents unless I was, thought it was something, you know, concerning. But like, if siblings fight, you know. I would I would have intervened before then, like if I had come to a house and three kids were playing on one side and one on the other and they wouldn't let them play, I'd be like, that's not how basketball works, two people per team or stop playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our, my, my big threat was um, stop fighting or I'm putting on TG Car and it's staying on all evening. <laughs> <laughs> I will educate you, so help me. Amazing. There was well, this family who could never, they if they fought over whose turn it was to pick the video for the night, we would watch a, a movie together when I came over on a Saturday. If they, if they were fighting over whose turn it was, teach a car what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Irish language mm-hmm. all night long. Um, I love this kind of a sort of unconventional approach to things. I had an ex-boyfriend who had gone to school in Canada. I was hoping you'd tell this story. <laughs> I was just thinking that this is very appropriate for this. So um, he told me at one stage that he had had this teacher who's uh, possibly a substitute teacher whose who's way of um, subduing a class full of kids that were being rowdy was he had this CD of Christmas carols being performed by cats, which I presume is that they synthesized 
or they they recorded the cat noise and then yeah, played it on a synth. Yeah. Um. But and he said so if they were being bold, he'd put the CD on. <laughs> and then at that point in the story, he stared into space and he was like, "What a sick guy." <laughs> That's brilliant, but probably against the Geneva Convention. <laughs> I just I hope this man is still working as a teacher because. We need educators with this kind of yeah, vision. Yeah. I mean, it's real outside the box problem solving and I respect <laughs> that. I mean, I, I'm really glad that I, 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 they never called my bluff on TG Carr because I'm fully aware that on the Saturday night TG Carr was usually not showing like programs about the history of basket weaving in Connemara. <laughs> no, it's usually a movie then. Yeah, they're usually showing like movies or like cool American TV shows. So <laughs> you didn't want to lose your threat. Like yes. you needed that. But they never called me on it. They, I was like, I am just going to put on Tina G and we are going to watch television in Irish for the rest of the night. And they'd be like, oh, okay, fine. And you're going to learn about obscure Shando singers. Let's watch Richie Rich. I'm like, great, put on. <laughs> So, yes, so Nikki unsurprisingly runs off um, because his siblings are intolerable. Mm -hmm. So Dawn shouts a, a scolding over her shoulder and takes off after him, leaving Mallory to supervise the triplets. And she goes to the barn and she finds that, lo and behold, the hay bale that's covering the trapdoor has been moved. And she goes down the trapdoor then realizes maybe she's totally wrong. Maybe it's not Nikki in the tunnel. Maybe it's a ghost. Um, she decides to gamble. She she weighs it up. She thinks maybe it's a ghost. Maybe it's Nikki. Let's assume it's Nikki. So she goes after him, and it's Nikki, mostly. Hey. Yeah. This is what makes Dawn like. <laughs> Dawn is now in the Marines or something. <laughs> She's something very senior. Dawn is a Gryffindor for sure. Yes. So she finds out that this is where Nikki has been coming to cry. Oh. And eat snacks. And read books about dogs. And look at his coin collection. Some of which he mislays but later finds. Yeah, that was a bit like, uh, what kind of an old timey thing could a 10 year old leave behind and yes. have it seem like it might yeah. belong to a ghost? No, it's his coin collection which he carries around with him. To be fair, I, I had a set of old coins and I did carry them around with me sometimes. And the reason I had them and collected them and carried them around with me was because what if I accidentally time travel and I need money? <laughs> I was really hoping you were going to say that was your rationale. And I thought it can't possibly be that amazing. But that's, that's amazing. Beautiful. 100% I still have them. Um, I still have all of them. In your wallet? No, I no longer carry them. I don't even have cash anymore. <laughs> No, but they're in a box over there. Like, <laughs> I've got them. Your face is going to be red if you end up in 1872 and your money is all at home in your desk. None of them are that old. They're mostly early free state coins, but that's fine. <laughs> she looks slightly regretful. I just got to make sure I travel to after 1921. We're okay. I mean, it's better crack than anyway. <laughs> you don't have the English all up in your business. You've got the Catholic Church all up in your business instead. <laughs> We're going to have that anyway. That's true. <laughs> There's no escaping the Catholic That's Church. That's true. <laughs> so Nikki, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So it turns out that the local ice cream truck sells old-fashioned ice cream cones. Which cost a whole dollar. I know, a whole dollar. It was not, in fact, a vintage ice cream cone left there by a hungry Jared Mulray. A hundred years ago. The ice cream cone was not a hundred years old. Shockingly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, what a twist. Uh... Yeah, what else do I have about this? Um, so she she kind of has a heart to heart with him, 
makes a couple of good points, which are basically like, look, um, I don't mind that you're running away, but uh, you shouldn't run off to somewhere that people can't find you, even though it's technically within the two block radius. Um, and she points out as well that like, yeah, you didn't do anything technically wrong, but you did actually really scare me. And he was like, oh, I kind of hadn't thought about that. So it's a good object lesson in sort of um, not being a dick the way that your triplet brothers are. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. You know, having consideration for the people that you're affecting with your actions. Remembering that yes. your actions have consequences to other people. So I have noted down, high quality dramas are there to tell us that teenage boys are beyond saving, but there may still be hope for dudes Nikki's age. <laughs> So yes. if they encounter babysitters of the right name, yeah. They're only 10. Oh, God. Yeah, they're not even teenagers. They're 10. Imagine how obnoxious they're going to be in four years. Oh, Jesus, teenage boys. Oh, my God. I feel sorry for the Pike parents. Jesus. Yeah. No wonder they're trying to train Mallory up <laughs> to yes. be like a, a second tier parent for the. Yeah, yeah, they're just going to need her to firefight. But very importantly, they talk about all the various things that Dawn has found in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Most of them are Nikki's doing. But you remember Dawn found the key and the buckle and mm-hmm. the button mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Nikki had seen those. And then she asked if he left the other key that she subsequently found in the tunnel. And Nikki insists that he never saw any other key and the other key has nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. So we have a second unexplained key mm-hmm. that Dawn does not, it, it wasn't there and then it was there and mm-hmm. Dawn is not able to figure out any explanation for that. But more importantly, she has to go back to the pikes and make sure that uh, the the triplets get a bollocking. So she does that. <laughs> yeah, it's good that she stands up for Nikki. Yes, it's yeah. great. Because uh, somebody's got to do it. Um, and also Mallory has like whipped everybody into shape while she's been gone and the house is tidy and the triplets are behaving yeah. themselves, which is also a good sign. Mallory's such a good babysitter. <laughs> yes, they should invite her to join the club <laughs> in a couple of books. Um, so yeah, that's kind of wraps up most of the ghost plotline. I am interested in the key thing. It really feels like she's setting up some doors to be unlocked in future with found keys, but maybe they don't exist anymore. There is also the mystery series. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, true. And I haven't read all of those. I never read any of them. I, I, read a couple I actually of them. like them more than the main series, I think. Mm. Cool. Um, but I don't know if I read all of them. They were hard to get compared to the originals. Yeah. Yeah, so Dawn realizes that the the second key is unexplained, and so are the nighttime moaning sounds. Because mm-hmm. Nikki is like Nikki's yeah. at home at night. She, she says, "Yeah, were were you in the tunnel at night?" And he's like, "God, no." Yeah, <laughs> I can't keep track of how old all the Pike kids are, but he's too young for that. Yeah, like, they would notice if he had left yeah. the house. He's yes, eight. Yeah. They, they, yeah, they have to stay in their rooms at night. It's one of the few rules. Yeah. Yes. So yes, the, the, so the story concludes with the girls having a sleepover at Dawn's house and mm-hmm. all of the non-diabetic, non-health foodie girls go off to make s'mores in the kitchen. In a really obnoxious way yeah. as well. It's really like, ha ha we're going to go and enjoy our like saturated fat and sugars. Yeah. Um, you guys hang out here and eat saltines. Woo! And they're like, we knew your, ha- your food would be boring. So we brought good food. Uh, they brought all the, yeah, all the makings of s'mores and take them down to the kitchen and abandon Claude- uh, Dawn and uh, Stacy, who are just kind of sitting upstairs twiddling their thumbs. They give them some crackers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, in fairness though, I think the crackers are also part of the equipment they brought with them for making s'mores. Yes, they did bring the crackers, but that's almost worse. <laughs> yeah. It's like... You can have that boring part of this. So Don and Stacy sadly sit looking at crackers and decide they're a bit miffed. 
I think, yeah, they're they're feeling excluded is the point. Yes. yes. And also, I think I would be a bit nervous about using the kitchen in somebody else's home without them being present unless I specifically had permission to do so. It's not like Don's mom is going to notice if they set fire to the place. That's true, actually, yeah. How do you cook s'mores in a... Do you not... Were they not supposed to be on a fire or something? What we I just use a candle. We make them at home sometimes. Ah. So I just toast everything over a candle. Ah, your American heritage, I see. Yes. But <laughs> yes. The funny thing is, actually, I because after reading this when I was a kid, I asked my dad about s'mores. And my dad was like, I theoretically know how you make them, but I've never had them because they're for Girl Scouts. Oh. Um, and I have just never been in a situation where s'mores happened. <laughs> so he brought some graham crackers home the next time he was back in America. Um, we figured out how to make them at home. But apparently they're like incredibly gendered or they were in his day, which oh. is also the same time as Anna and Martin's day. Oh my God. Uh, so yes, this is, this is girl food specifically. He must have been delighted. Like He was. It was very, uh, he was like, wow, it's a real cultural experience. I finally know what s'mores are like. They're really good, by the way. Everyone should make them. Are they graham crackers? Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah, yes, it is. Um, they we used to get uh not the proper crackers, um, but you could get the teddy ones in Hong ah. Kong. Um, and I would fucking eat those things by the fistful. And people are like, oh, I suppose the closest thing to a graham cracker is like a digestive biscuit. Like they are not no. the same thing at all. No, they are digestive biscuits will not scratch the no. same itch. Um, I I would not besmirch my marshmallows and my chocolate with. <laughs> digestive I like digestives, but they're not the same thing. No, it's but, not the same thing. Anyway, yes. So they they go off to use an unspecified method to make uh, s'mores in the kitchen. Maybe if they have a gas hob, you could do it on the gas hob. Yeah. Or maybe they bust out the Weber grill because it's so easy and convenient. And <laughs> Weber grills are your one way ticket to a successful social event. I can totally see adult Christy just grilling. Like barbecuing on a Weber a lot. That seems to me. Like yes. Wearing I, a baseball cap the, and a visor at the same time. One of those really like territorial grill people who are really like, <laughs> yes. this is my thing. I'm the grill person. No yes. one else is allowed near the grill. So <laughs> let's finish this book. All right. While while the uh, the others are all obnoxiously having s'mores, mm-hmm. Don and Stacy do a sort of I love Lucy thing where they make a whispered plan that we the reader are not privy to Mm -hmm. and then when the girls come back again Claudia is really being a douche Don and Stacy say they'll go get some sodas for everyone and Claudia's like do you mean Perrier or sparkling saltless mineral water from an artesian well which (gasps) is kind of fair but also really rude (laughs) I was like that is wow savage yes um that would be acceptable banter if they had all been together enjoying their various snacks yeah. and toing and froing yeah. up until this point. But if you hadn't just abandoned people and been like, oh, now I've got great food and you've been lurking up I'd here. like, your house is so bad, I brought my own food here. I mean, whatever yeah. about Dawn and it being her choice to eat that, it's really shitty on Stacy. Stacy wants s'mores. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, Stacy would devour those s'mores. Yes. Like, so Don and Stacy decide to get their revenge. They sneak out to the barn and they creep into the secret passage and sneak up to the other side of the panel in Don's room and start tapping and going, Whoa! 
I cannot rest. <laughs> um, and the only Classic. one who even knows there's a secret passage is Marianne, who goes, ah, it's Jared. It's the ghost. And everyone's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so Don and Stacy erupt out of the wall <laughs> and find the girls all like cowering <laughs> on the bed and moaning in terror. <laughs> oh. Which is very satisfying and yeah. entirely deserved. Yes. I think it was very justified. Don tells them the, all this, the whole story about Nikki and the ghost and everything. And then she ponders whether there really is a ghost because she can't explain everything that happened in the tunnel. And then decides that she doesn't care because the Babysitter's Club are so fun and they have two more weeks of the summer holidays. So let us never speak of this again. I think, strictly speaking, what happens is that they, uh, she tells them about the ghost and then they all hear moaning. Yeah. Actually moaning in the past. We're like, hello, you're you're right, right, babysitters. And they all just take their, their, Donna's like, everybody get downstairs and we'll sleep in the living room. We'll be fine. Um, Because I'm sure the tunnel doesn't go past the living room. And the ghost definitely can't walk down the stairs. So it's fine. Yes. Um, So, and then the next morning she's like, haha, it's fine. I don't care about the ghost. Which, to be honest, all anything that has spooked you at night does seem a bit silly in the morning. Yeah, but she's got to sleep in that room for the like for years. This is the thing about Dawn. She does. She continues to. She probably didn't need to. <laughs> she could probably have slept somewhere else. But she kind of likes it. I, yes. I think that there's a ghost. Um, you know the way like Brahma. Yes. Um, and also that Dawn. Like, it, yeah, Dawn is a Gryffindor, as we yeah, sure. established earlier. She makes life choices that I, as a Ravenclaw slash Hufflepuff, would just walk very far away from yes. in a brisk manner. <laughs> All of us Ravenpuffs are like, nah, we don't need to go out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> yeah, it's just not. Yeah. I will just say there are no good outfits in this book. Hmm. Literally, the best outfit talk is them speculating about what trip might wear but then oh, yes. it turns out not That's to true. be wearing esther what was your kids comments about this um i think she was annoyed that, yes uh, dawn just was like oh yeah most of it was nikki pike and then the rest of it was la 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 and they didn't kind of research it a bit more <laughs> yes she she read it one night and stomped down in a bit of a mood the next morning and the first thing she said was i'm really annoyed that they didn't properly look into the ghost at dawn's house because not all those noises were caused by nikki pike and i was like yeah you need to talk to karen about this she's been carrying your resentment over this for decades (laughs) yeah it's true and i mean the thing is that this is ghost stories where they explain every aspect of it are a little bit unsatisfying yes um and ideally you want there to be just they're a loose end that you're like, ooh, is it? Maybe. Ooh, who knows? Because that's what real life mysteries are like. Yes. Um, and if it's all explained too well, like if it, if they the history book had specified that Dawn's house was definitely the one that Jared Mulray had lived in, you'd have been like, ah, here. That's too neat. You know, it's too neat. Or somebody is is like messing with you, Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> They've printed up a fake history book. Um. So yeah, it's just it's part of the it's part of the thing. But I do um I do think they could have. Yeah, if I were Dawn, I probably just wouldn't have kept sleeping in that room. Yeah, she's she's very quick to hand wave and decide that it doesn't matter. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, whether you're pro-ghost or anti-ghost, it does matter whether there's a yeah. ghost. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, a, that's a meaningful distinction. Yeah. Yes, in place of fashion talk, we do have some more weird food talk. Mm. Uh, so yes, she says that since her mom started work, she and Dawn, er, Dawn and Jeff are supposed to make dinner. 
but Jeff can't be trusted to do it on his own because his idea of making dinner is taking a loaf of bread out of the bread drawer. <laughs> He's nine. What the hell does she expect from him? Like, oh my God, I cannot imagine what my my older boy would think in four years time was dinner. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I have a very responsible nine year old who's quite interested in cooking and like, yeah, I don't think she could pull together a dinner. Like I'd be happy if she just managed to not injure herself like yeah with multiple food groups they have yeah like a hot main plus a salad like how did they learn these life okay compensating for mrs schaefer being like yeah a mess <laughs> yeah i guess yeah i guess i mean but it's also i think the, the the hot main is is leftovers that they heat even so like so they're probably just mimicking the dinners that they i don't know i would have been all about the oven pizzas so i don't know I, I, mm, yeah, me too. Yeah, but like, it seems a bit harsh to complain that a nine-year-old isn't cooking complex enough I meals. Mean, like, a nine-year-old knowing how to no, work the oven fair. is really impressive. I think this is Dawn yeah. being hyper-competent. Maybe. And maybe, un- like, expecting the same from her sibling, who is like, you know, a child. gonna have to do this when she moves out and goes to college. So, <laughs> shape up, Jeff. Wash your own laundry. You're nine. <laughs> you know? I will also say that, like, I know it's wrong to say this, but the description of the salad they make upset me on a visceral <laughs> level. It <laughs> consisted of cottage cheese, pineapple, peaches, and coconut topping. <laughs> this is many things, but salad is not one no, of them. No, it's not. That's like a fruit salad with cheese in it, for some reason. That's yeah. That's not dinner. I- I, it's like one of those like 1970s Weight Watcher recipe cards that we yeah. talked about before. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it's from. Yeah, I don't think this is what Californians were eating in the 80s. It should have whole peeled bananas sticking up right <laughs> out of it at an unsettling <laughs> angle. <laughs> and a garnish of frankfurters. And, and Anna Martin was like, would they eat this? No, I'll, I'll take out the more like 70s aspects. Yeah, yeah. like I, I, I know it's it's not nice to yuck someone's yum, but I do have to yuck that pretty hard. <laughs> I mean, I would like that if it didn't have cheese in it, but it's not a salad in the way they intend it to be. Aside from the cottage cheese, it's a perfectly acceptable fruit salad, but the cottage cheese turns it into something else that should not be. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with that. What's coconut topping? Is this just they put coconut on it for topping, or is there something that you get in a in a tub? I assumed it was that, but maybe it's some kind of like coconut-based whipped cream substitute. That's what I'm thinking, like Cool Whip and a coconut flavor. Uh, oh boy. Or like spray cream with coconut flavor. Oh boy, that's really... Yeah, things that they sell you to put on top of cakes seems to be where like labeling regulations just go out the out the ones are like yeah. yeah it's it's like chocolate in inverted commas you know like scott bar <laughs> chocolate flavored food products exactly people will buy any kind of shit if you tell them it's to put on top of a thing yeah <laughs> like, it's 99 percent palm oil with chocolate flavoring yeah home cook wonder bar cake covering you can say it and then people are like Oh yeah, we we don't have any chocolate, but we have some of this Wonder Bar, and I'm like, so you don't have any chocolate? I'm leaving your house. <laughs> I have come very, very close to crying when when people have offered me Wonder Bar <laughs> instead of chocolate. Do they offer that to people to eat as chocolate? It has happened to me. I mean, I didn't accept it. <laughs> I mean, when I was super desperate as a child, I would we would buy that for Rice Krispie buns because mom like we didn't want to be spending money on real chocolate. 
for Rice Krispie buns. And sometimes when I was desperate for chocolate, I would eat some, but it's not chocolate. No, it's not. It's not even Hershey's no. level chocolate. Ugh. It's, to be honest, you can get cheap, real chocolate for less than that stuff because it's in the bakery aisle and people are like, oh, this is what you buy to put on a cake. They've actually, they've jacked up the price on it, but it's not a real food product. It's like petroleum, whatever's left <laughs> once you take all the good bits out. <laughs> I have to say, realizing it wasn't chocolate and there was absolutely no need to bake with it when I could just bake with actual chocolate made a huge difference to me. It's a revelation. It's very liberating. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is what the Scott Bar Company does not want you to know about. <laughs> like people, just buy the forty nine cent cheapo yes. little chocolate. Just it's buy way better. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Or Aldi chocolate if that's your nearest German based discount supermarket. <laughs> Even Tesco has a yeah. All the all those supermarkets have a cheap version. That is better than the expensive crap that they sell you to put on top of cakes. Actual chocolate and in the sweets aisle, not the baking aisle. And you can bet the girls are not putting Scott Bar on their s'mores. No, Mm -hmm. definitely not. This has been whatever the reverse of sponsored is by Scott Bar. (laughs) Hey now. Scott Bar will pay us to ensure this episode never airs. I dissed Home Cook Wonder Bar, which is distinct from Scott Bar. And That's I would true. also like to diss the own the ones that you used to get from Super Quinn, which were in kind of odd little jaggedy slabs sold by weight wrapped in cling film in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> wow, if you don't care who you go after, do you? You're really speaking truth to power here. Super Quinn's already gone. They can't touch me now. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the former owners are probably still quite wealthy. They could come after us. But do they dare? They're definitely listening to this podcast. I do admire their sausages. Also, it's super value now. It's just the same stuff. Yeah. I do admire their sausages, I have to say. (laughs) Yeah, I had to cut out some long digressions about Super Quinn sausages as well. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh yeah, sorry. Esther is is just not a sausage. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like such a euphemism. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about you saying that. I'm sorry. You could just say I'm Jewish. It's okay. Oh, you know Esther is a. <laughs> it's it's much more fun to imply that you you have a phobia. <laughs> she's she's not one of life's great sausage eaters, if you know what I Your mean. Your friend Esther, does she not eat ham then? <laughs> Oh no, she likes ham already. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, no, it does sound more and more like a euphemism from lesbianism. <laughs> like, can we go on? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I presume a lot of this is getting close. Yeah, quite a lot. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're Where the fuck were we? We're just talking about various things we wanted to talk about. Um, oh my god. We were attacking Don and Jeff's weird concept of salad yeah i that salad was atrocious and they should feel bad oh yeah yeah (laughs) one of the things i was gonna remark on was uh jeff looking at the nickel it's a nickel at least it says five cents in it but doesn't look like any nickel i've ever seen there's a picture of an indian on one side and a buffalo on the other and the next words to exit his mouth after saying there's an indian on one side and a buffalo on the other is maybe it's foreign (laughs) (laughs) ah geography (laughs) <laughs> That's an excellent point, and I did not pick up on that, and Jeff has just gone way down in my estimation. Maybe it's from India, guys. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's nine, but it's just funny. Yeah, but, like, they're called Native Americans, because they're from America. But also, 
Buffaloes are pretty iconically American. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could have been Canadian. Yeah. But it wasn't. I mean, I did, like, have a couple of snarky remarks about the history of Stony Brook thing. Not smart, snarky, but, like, nitpicky. Like, the first thing is John being like, Stony Brook with an E on the end? Could that possibly be Stony Brook with no E on the end? And it's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you think? Again, she needs to in here. Over a hundred years ago, Stony Brook. Was that our town? Stony Brook with no E on the end? When had the E been dropped? <laughs> and then they got me thinking, like, didn't they do some, didn't they do their some, like, big thing where they, like, standardized all the American place name spellings and stuff? I definitely read about it in a Bill Bryson book. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yes, Don thinks she'd made a great deductive leap figuring out that Stony Brook with an E might be the same place as Stony yeah. Brook with no E. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I liked the opening of this book, actually, mm. because... You know, the title is like, um, that goes to Dawn's house. So you're like, well, there's going to, it's going to be creepy. Um, and the starting, the opening line, it ah! literally starts with, ah, and then it just turns out to be the babysitter was all hanging out at the meeting. So they're like, oh my God, I haven't seen you for so long. So yeah, it was, it's just a good fake out. Yes. There are just screams of teenage ebullience. Um, and there's also a good Karen Brewer is terrifying. Yes. Episode. Yes. Um, in which, uh, yeah, uh, Karen is trying to tell a ghost story about the brewer's house, which is also haunted, according to Karen, except it probably isn't because she's just a bit of a fantasist, but a very compelling one. Um, whereas uh, Christy wants to get the kids to sleep, so she tells them the world's most terrible joke. And it's like there are tumbleweeds <laughs> going by. And it, it's, yeah, Karen, they all just kind of blink at her and then Karen resumes the scary story. <laughs> yes it was brilliant and and christy like manfully tries to steer the conversation and goes do you know any nice happy stories asked christy hopefully karen thought for a moment nope she says nope. <laughs> i love her i stand her so hard she is just so true to her own really? path in life yes so <laughs> no one is gonna divert me, her because when karen tells of a, a scary story when I was younger, I used to stay with my two particular cousins a lot, me and my brother. So I would have been about 12, and my cousin Tara would have been about 10, and my brother would have been about 8, and my littlest cousin was about 5. And we would all, like, tell ghost stories. We, we love telling each other ghost stories. So we would all sit around in one of the rooms and tell ghost stories to each other, and, and the little cousin wanted to join in. And so she started, you know... It was a dark and stormy night, and the curtains were blowing in the wind, and a monster stole a woman. And that was it. <laughs> and every so often, I just think about this little intense little face going, and a monster stole a woman. <laughs> the end. The end. That's oh, very cute. That's, that's very cute. And we were like, what's the rest of it? What's the rest of it? And she was like, no, that was the story. That's Amazing. very cute. Oh. All right. Well, we have been recording for almost two hours, <laughs> so we should probably make some some gestures towards wrapping this up. Uh. Okay. So basically, teenage boys are terrible and ghosts are real. Yeah. Yep. Is that does that do I it? Think so. I think that's <laughs> it. Basically, that's all we need to know. In two weeks' time, we will be covering book number ten, uh, Logan likes Marianne. Um. So join us for that. And in the meantime, teenage boys are the worst and ghosts are real.
don't date insufferable yuppies that your parents fix you up with. Yeah. It's just not worth your it. Your children will mock them. <laughs> don't do it. 